0: Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Cletty once again, and I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded from the Cleo Conference. Day two in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've got the distinct pleasure of welcoming a classmate, a friend, Judge Scott Schlegel. How are you doing today, Your Honor? I am well. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. It's always good to see you. I almost slipped and called you sir, and that would have been bad, <laughs> so I know. I can feel the I can feel the judgment coming over, but uh, no, it's so great to catch up with you, and I um, I saw all the chatter right before we came to the Clio Cloud Conference. Uh, you've been traveling around, and you've been lecturing about improving the court system, and it seems like since the last time we've talked, you've been adding new facets to it, attaching new... Uh, pieces to it. I know you're working on something. I don't know if it's time to unveil it, but uh, you just keep ratcheting it down, improving the process. And so I wanted to catch up with you. And I know some people haven't heard some of our past interviews, but, uh, you know, during the pandemic, you kind of had to scramble a little bit to try to keep your court docket as open as it could be. And I believe if, correct me if I'm wrong, you have both a civil docket and a criminal docket to focus on here. So why don't we start back from the beginning there? You know, the uh, Courts were really uh, they were really backed up backlog couldn't open COVID and so how did you keep things running
1: just first and foremost? Thankfully we were already working on improving the processes within the court system and utilizing a lot of these different technologies that have become commonplace now. Um, So it affected us just like every other court and it was very difficult to keep moving forward. But thankfully we were able to spin everything up, scale it, and keep court moving in the right direction. Clearly we couldn't hold jury trials. Clearly we couldn't handle all the different. Witness testimony requirements, but uh, you know, folks still had uh, were getting arrested. We still had to have bail hearings, and we still had to find a way to keep the court open. And so, again, thankfully, we were able to scale from there.
0: Well, I think at that point every little bit mattered. You know, whatever you could do to move some issues through, I mean, you had to do. I mean, and it's just been remarkable. I've been talking with people around the country and these court courts. are beginning to catch up, which I was getting a little worried about because there was a lot out there. I know they were already overwhelmed as it was. So um, that's awesome stuff. And but I wanted to talk about. It. We we uh, we caught up a little bit earlier uh, yesterday, doing a little pregame about uh, kind of the the recent uh, the recent add-ons here. But uh, you talked about uh, treating people that participate in the court system as Customers, and so obviously, you know, when I think about jury duty, and I think about uh, defendants, and I think about uh, plaintiffs, and and all of that, you don't really think of them as a customer. But you said this is really important. It is, and so I want to talk about that philosophy and why that's so important for our, our criminal justice system and even our civil justice
1: system. Well, since we're here at ClioCon and since I have uh, the client-centered law firm uh, book in front of me, by, you do uh, actually, by, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going to piggyback on that and say, you know, we need to develop the client-centered court. You know, we have to start looking at all the various players and all the different folks that come before the court and say, look, let's treat them as customers. That doesn't remove the severity of what I do for a living. You right. know, I'm still the judge. We understand that. But if we look at it from a client perspective, as opposed to the judge perspective, we can try and develop a more efficient and more effective system of justice by simply changing the labels and run our business better. So if I look at it and say, hey, look, we have a criminal docket here a hundred folks are coming at 9 a.m that's absolute mayhem we cannot get through a hundred cases at 9 a.m so if i look at the defendant coming before me as a customer and say well they have to be here but how do i help them Through the process. So how about I stagger my docket? You want to come 9, 10, or 11? It's of no moment to me. You might have to drop your kids off at school. You might have to take the bus. You might have to bum a ride. You tell me what time you want to come. And that benefits the court as well, because you can't handle 100 folks in a courtroom at the same time. There's too many people in there, and that becomes a security risk. So it benefits everybody when you simply look at it from a customer experience, as opposed to just focusing solely on the court. Well, I
0: would imagine, too, that uh, just, you know, from the defendant's point of view, you know, probably makes the court look a lot better in their eyes, which is, you know, I mean, that doesn't hurt anybody to have the defendant thinking, uh, having a little bit more positive experience about to have a hard day, potentially. So uh, that's that's great. So um, I want to talk about um, unification by design. So we talked about uh, how you took websites. You had a lot of scattered different approaches across the different districts uh, of court. And uh, what did you do to kind of bring some semblance and some similarities
1: to the operation, the flow? Keeping with the theme of looking at the user of the courts, a lot of courts don't even have their own individual website. There might be the address and the main phone number of the court on the local county or the local parish's website, but the court itself may not have a website. So how about we build our own websites that don't cost much money at all. They're not difficult to build because you have all these companies out there that have already has designed these pretty templates for you to use and start layering on there. So if we build a website and say, Judge Legal, here's his phone number, here's his fax number, here's his address, here are his preferences, here's his orders and forms that he uses on a daily basis and just use that, we can start designing a more accessible justice system. How many people during the pandemic were looking for the Zoom link of the the court? They couldn't find it. How about we put that on that judge's webpage so that everybody can find it? And if you use these simple websites in a non-unified court system and start simply replicating that for every court throughout the state of Louisiana or any state that you're in, you can start unifying that system using simple technology so that you, the user, regardless of what court you're going to, it all looks and feels the same and you can readily get around. Well, and you also talked a little bit about the uh, user interface,
0: the UI, and as somebody that does uh, consume uh, technological products, it's nice to have some predictability in the menu, the flow, so you can get that information. It can be frustrating, and I'm going to call out my bank, and I'm actually not going to name them, but they put out a banking app. They change every three months. It's really frustrating because they'll change terms. They'll change the layout, and, it, and all I want to do is pay my bills. That's it. <laughs> you know, I don't need all the extra stuff. I, I, Security is great, obviously, but I don't need a new menu option all the time. It drives me nuts, and so thank you for that as a taxpayer. Fair, I really appreciate that. You know, trying to simplify everyone's life. But you have an example of this, and I think it's gotocourt.com. go gotocourt.com. And to court. how com. do we spell
1: go? I know you're well, from if Louisiana. You're from Louisiana. Right. You need to spell go properly. G E A U X. Go to court.com, and you'll find about twenty or so court websites on there. The goal is to get a hundred percent participation. We've got about half so far, and we keep building from there. All right. So, uh, Wondery, uh,
0: you implemented a conference technology solution, uh, but you went a few steps beyond just simply kind of a Zoom call or like a, in the old days a Skype call, you had some purposeful design behind it. So walk us through that a little bit. Why did you choose the flow and uh, what features
1: did you implement? Zoom was a, is a great tool and it was a, a, a tool that we all needed. And when I say Zoom, it's the proverbial Zoom now, it's just the verb that we all use. Um, but it has some limitations for what we're trying to accomplish. You know, when you join a video conference, you sit in the black hole, and you're like, does the judge know I'm here? Does the judge know that I'm here? And you start to get nervous when the court has, you know, 20 or 30 matters they're trying to resolve. You don't want to get in trouble with the judge. Exactly. So they call over and over again. And so during the pandemic, what you found was we're at a physical conference right now, but they couldn't do this with the physical space, so you had all these companies begin to develop, conferencing platforms for virtual conferences. So I simply took that same model, took the same off-the-shelf product that already exists, had somebody design physically my courtroom, and you can now drag your avatar to where it needs to be like you would physically. So when you come to a court physically as an attorney, you walk into chambers and said, hey, I'm checking in, you see your opposing counsel next to you, and you say, hey, y'all wanna go run to the conference room and have a conversation while the judge is holding a hearing on another matter. Same concept. So I'm simply recreating the physical space in a virtual space so that we can have a familiar feel and you're not worried about whether the court sees you or doesn't see you, and you're able to talk with opposing counsel like you would have beforehand.
0: Well, I was a member of the bar that would stress me out being in the courtroom, and the judges, and know I'm there. So just in terms of the return on investment, have you seen like, just the overall experience? Have you Have been receiving some feedback on that from the attorneys, and uh, even some of the, the defendants and the plaintiffs, like,
1: have they said, hey, like, this, this is a lot better than
0: it used to be? Have you get some feedback?
1: Yeah, I mean, most folks like it. There are a number that say, this is horrible. Please stop it. Let's just come back to court physically. Oh. Um, Can't please everybody. No, you can't please everybody. But, you know, this experience, I believe, is much more efficient, much more effective, drives down the cost of litigation. You know, we use online calendars, as you know, sending text and email reminders to both lawyers and criminal defendants, and it cuts down on the failures to appear for criminal defendants, which is a significant impact on our justice system. It cuts down on the need for lawyers to come see me because they get a reminder and they go, Do we really need a go see Judge Schlegel on that discovery dispute and they call opposing counsel because they got pinged by my text message and you find, no, no, you don't have to come to court. It drives down the cost of litigation as well.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, That's, I mean, and the clients everywhere uh, should be grateful for that. And and, uh, I think that's a wonderful step. Workflow. Uh, so I know this wasn't uh, necessarily the most exciting topic, but for me, I think this is really important. So you implemented some solutions to uh, cut out a lot of the middle middleman, Mickey Mouse kind of stuff. So scheduling, file sharing. Tell us a little bit
1: about that. Well, we just talked about the online calendaring. Where if you go to onlinejudge.us, if you have a civil matter in front of me, my dates are online a year in advance. So you go pick your own date, call opposing counsel, make sure it works for everybody, dump it on your Outlook calendar, and send the send the order in. Done. One of the other issues that I find is with courtesy copies. This is a system where you, as you know, have to send everything to the court, whether that is you know 30 pages or 100 pages. You have to pay the postage, do a cover letter, mail it to the court. Sometimes it doesn't even arrive to the court until after the hearing, so what was the point of that? And other times, it's just a waste of your time, money, and effort because if you have an e-filing system, I can pull it anyway. So I bought an online form builder, Embedded it on my website and now you can simply drag and drop any pleading that you want and it magically appears on my iPad in my OneDrive. Simple process, simple workflow issue that you can solve technologically and again drive down that cost of civil litigation. All
0: right. Well, uh, last question for you. Now, obviously, you, you put yourself out there. You're lecturing out there on this circuit, so to speak, and just uh, trying to help everybody run more efficient court systems. But if there's someone out there, they're like, I know we need something. I just, I don't know where to start. I can talk to Judge Schlegel. Uh, what advice would you give them? Like, where should they start checking in? Where should they, uh, I guess, go to
1: as a resource just to, just to get their beginning? So uh, I've written on this topic many a times. It's it's at judgeschlegel.medium.com. There's a, you know, six or seven posts of how you can modernize a justice system for under $1,000 a year in any jurisdiction in the entire country, JudgeSchlegel.medium.com. Let's spell that for them. Sure. S-C-H-L-E-G-E-L. Excellent. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode, but I want to thank Judge
0: Schlegel for joining us. Thank you so much, Your Honor. Thank you for having me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in your favorite podcasting app. And better yet, refer this show to a friend that might be helpful. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes.